Hey, everybody. With the Consumer Technology Association, I'm Tyler Suters. We are the owners and the producers of CES, the largest, the most influential tech event in the world. And we are here to help you get CES ready. The show is almost upon us January 7th through the 10th, 2020, as always in Las Vegas. And today, a broad, wide-ranging conversation about all things CES. The show is right around the corner, remember. Now, a little bit of a scene setter for you. More than 60% of the Fortune Global 500 companies are at CES, and about two-thirds of Fortune 500 companies attend the show as well. Now, some more hard numbers. That total for CES 20, more than 4,500 exhibiting companies alone, and that includes more than 1,200 startups. So today, a conversation with the leaders of CES and the Consumer Technology Association, CTA, about how technology is changing our lives for the better, both locally and on a global scale, and how CES will demonstrate that. Also, what's new in 2020, and some of the tech trends you can expect to see as you're navigating the show. Also, a dive into the growing areas, including major themes like C-Space and the intersection of content, marketing, entertainment, and media, digital health, the way we are better monitoring our own wellness and getting better outcomes working with our caregivers and doctors. Also, smart cities changing and improving the way we live both our everyday lives and at home. Also, a conversation with one exhibitor that is really turning heads at CES, at least in terms of how CES 2019 went, that is Bell. You know them most likely as a helicopter company, but there is so much more about the future of transportation that Bell is talking about. All of that is on this special edition of CES Tech Talk. With us now is Karen Chapka, the Executive Vice President of CES. Karen, thank you. Thank you, Tyler. Also, Gary Shapiro, who is the President and CEO of the Consumer Technology Association. Gary, as always, great to have you with us. As always, it's great to be here, and I'm so excited to be here with Karen and you, as I feel like I've hit the jackpot. (laughs) (laughs) New decade, new show. What's new for CES in 2020? Well, we have a couple of great new things this year. Uh, First off, one of our new areas that we're focusing on for CES 2020 is travel and tourism. Um, You you may have noticed that we have announced Delta is one of our keynoters this year. And uh, partly part of the reason that we're looking at this category is because there is a lot of tech that's coming into play to help uh, the consumer experience for uh, how they plan their travel and then how they experience travel. So everything from booking to actually getting on uh, airplanes or cruise ships uh, and then ultimately getting to their destination. And then we also have a couple new programs that we're launching in our conference program. Uh, so for one area that, that we're focusing on this year is a, a track on diversity for all. And so it's basically just looking at diverse voices and how bringing diverse voices into community can help um, improve companies and improve technology uh, as far as you know what, what, what the future will, will bring to us. Um, and another program that we're working with uh, is actually with the World Bank, and it's focusing on tech for good. And so in this, uh, in this area, we're actually looking at, in, in some instances, resilient products. So products that help you strive and thrive in the event of a disaster. And uh, these are just some of the new areas that we'll be focusing on for CES 2020. Well, you mentioned the World Bank, Karen. And Gary, we're talking about tech changing our lives for the better, really on a global scale. And CES 2020 is is demonstrating that far and wide. Well, Tyler, you mentioned that uh, 
we are in a new decade. And that's kicking off the show. The show every year kicks off the year in a very positive way. We want to kick off the decade in a positive way. And what we're seeing more and more, if you want to go back compared to 10 years, we're seeing technology is starting to solve some of the most fundamental problems in the world. We're seeing it in transportation. We'll see it at CES, obviously, with electric cars and, and steps towards self-driving, all sorts of announcements coming. And we see it in the healthcare area, health tech, mm-hmm. making us healthier, live longer, more enjoyable, safer lives. Technology is solving some of the problems that maybe surgery or drugs only were able to help attack 10 years ago. And as we move forward into the next decade, we're seeing a lot of good things happen. But we're also seeing important discussions occurring around privacy, for example, around artificial intelligence and self-driving, around jobs. All these are important things because technology is affecting all these. And, it, and it's important that we get government into the equation. And we're doing that at CES with government leaders from around the world with important discussions. One of the most important discussions I think will occur at CES where we have the top privacy officers at Facebook at Apple, from the Federal Trade Commission, discussing on the same panel where we should be going. Because it's the government-appropriate role to help set the, the ground rules or the safeguards so that we can move forward as an industry, be innovative, and solve the most fundamental problems humans have. So two topics d- jump to mind when we're talking about this. One on the global scale, the idea of resilience, right? The other is a bit more local or urbanized, which is smart cities. Um, two distinct topics but really closely linked, right, as far as how tech is changing our lives, how it's improving both proactively how we live, but also reactively in the case of disaster, Karen. You know, absolutely, and it's actually one of the area, one of the reasons that we have them located next to each other at the show floor because the stories are are very intertwined, and you know we're we're seeing it how technologies are changing um, cities for the better, everything from energy management to um, emergency management, as well as um, you know just connected transportation. Um, so that is a very large story for us at CES is is just the whole smart city experience, and you know we're also seeing even just from the from a vehicle side that the story is changing from. Uh, driverless car into more transportation. So things like short distance transportation, but also uh, human drones and uh, other ways of, of kind of getting around. In fact, you will see a flying car at CES at CES 2020. Um, so, so those things are kind of related. And then as a result of that, if you're putting all this technology into cities, then you have to have redundancies and you have to have ways that you can continue to, um, you know, to function in the event that something does go wrong. Mm-hmm. And that discussion, Gary, that you touched on, privacy is one element, but there are so many more that if it's becoming more and more of our lives, not just in our homes and the devices we own, but how we engage and interact and how we drive, how we walk, where we work. The idea of smart cities means industry and government have to work hand in hand, right? This shouldn't be a reactive effort. And this is where the conversation takes place. Absolutely. I mean, if you think about what's going on globally, we're moving into cities. Two thirds of us will live in cities in just a few years where it used to be the opposite. And we're also getting older and uh, there's fewer people to take care of the people that are getting older. Technology comes into play there. And with smart cities, what we're thinking about is how do you provision a city? How do you make it green and cut down on on, on, uh, the use of energy in a city? How do you uh, provision it with food, with water? How do you get protection? How do you move people around? How do you educate people? And technology, actually, with what you see at CES solves all these problems. And government is, of course, playing an important role. They run and cities around the world, and we're increasingly seeing government officials from around the world using CES for inspiration, just the way we see corporate executives coming 
because one of the major trains, again, from 10 years ago that didn't exist, is everyone wants to be innovative. They want to be a tech company. Mm -hmm. And they recognize at the CEO level that they have to go across outside their vertical and see what else is going on and form the, the type of deals that are very important and relationships that will make their company grow or actually just stay in business because no one company could exist by itself anymore. It's impossible. So everyone's cutting deals. They're going outside the vertical. They're being innovative. They're doing different things. And they're using CES as a meeting place for that, which has changed. And we're doing it in the backdrop of major changes in technology. I mean, CES, one of the big stories of CES is 5G, for example. Right. It's an ingredient technology. It's so important. Every 10 years, every turn of the decade, uh, <laughs> there has been a new G since 1980. And 5G promises so much more, and you're going to see that throughout the show in all sorts of different use cases and ways. A lot of business plans assume 5G is coming, and it's, uh, it, it'll drive us forward for the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, on that note, Karen, just uh, within the last five to seven years, uh, CES has evolved from an overall narrative of being the home of the Internet of Things to what we're seeing now in the 2020s and, and expect to see, and that is really the intelligence of things. So when you look at the, the technology trends across categories, Gary mentions 5G, that's certainly one. But along those same lines of the intelligence, we're talking about AI, data and analytics, and, and I think I would put blockchain in there as well, perhaps. Blockchain and also voice. I mean, voice is also yeah. uh, you know pretty um, a pretty strong uh, uh, component of of CES and, and products now nowadays. And uh, yes, I mean AI is playing a role uh, across every category at the show. Um, you know, it's kind of uh, an area. There's a specific AI area at the show. But then we're also seeing how applications are rolling out in healthcare and and in other vertical uh, industries as well. So it's one of those driving factors. It's kind of across um, all elements of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it, it's interesting because you, you mentioned this decade. I mean, the thing that's uh, also interesting about CES is that we have over 4,500 companies coming to CES now for CES 2020, and they're coming from all over the world. And, uh, you know, there's no one place that you're going to get to see so much technology, so many different industries represented. And actually now so many companies that um, aren't traditional tech companies coming to the show floor as well. Yeah, on that note, Gary, one of, at least in my mind, the most like, iconic images of CES 2019 was the John Deere uh, ex- exhibition space uh, at CES and the enormous agricultural machinery that they they had in place. It combines AI, it combines uh, you know, self-driving vehicles and other elements that, that drive efficiency and, and utility. Um, one of the things I've heard you say again and again is that every company today is or needs to be a tech company. And CES shows that more and more. Absolutely. Uh, we've been saying that for a long time, and CES this year will prove it. And um, we've seen non-traditional companies coming in, in previous years that you've mentioned, like Bell and certainly John Deere. Uh, now we're seeing Delta and P&G and, and so many others that are coming there because they, first, a lot of executives from other companies, of course, are there for inspiration, for deals, just to know where the future is going. But now companies are saying, we want a presence here. We want to make a statement to show the world that we are focusing on technology, which is distinguishing us from our our, uh, competitors. And they're also out there saying, we are open to business. We want to cut deals with you, you and you. We want you to come to us. And that's an invitation. And what's really interesting, the other side of that, though, is with these big companies positioning themselves, the other side is the the new companies, the Eureka Park, where we have almost 1,300 startups. And what we're seeing is the big companies are going there to cut deals, to invest, to be a customer, to provide mentorship, along with the investment community, the media, and others. So CES really is, you know, we say we own CES. We know we don't own CES. The industry, the future owns CES. It is the one place in the world that 
Business people, media, investors, and others can come, and they can focus on the possibility of the future in terms of solving our biggest problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about data earlier. Uh, Karen, I know you personally are data-driven in terms of being in the business sector and, and the decisions you make. Um, let's look at some of the objective elements of, of CES 2020. Where is the real growth you're seeing, uh, especially in the heart of the tech sector right now? You know, I think there, there's a couple um, key areas where we're, you know, continuing to see growth. And, and one of them is, we talked about a little bit earlier today, which is healthcare. Um, you know, healthcare is one of our fast growing categories. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of, of new technologies basically coming out in, in that area. So another area that um, is growing and, and coincidentally we talked about also is um, smart cities. You know, we're seeing uh, growth year over year on that, mm-hmm. that uh, category. Um, another category that is just a strong category at CES and continues each year to have every major player there is in uh, vehicle and transportation. Right. Um, you know, driverless car, but then like I had mentioned earlier, we're also seeing other forms of transportation coming in to help tell that story. And so that's another uh, area that's that's strong at the show. All right, Karen, what about some of the other areas of, of growth, of excitement that you see at the show um, that maybe are what we would consider non-traditional tech spaces? Sure. Actually, one of our really uh, another growing area that I, I didn't mention earlier is an area called C-Space. And it is a place that focuses on advertising, branding, content and entertainment. Um, and this is one of our growth areas. It's kind of a little bit different in a sense that uh, there are some ex- experiential um, displays over there. And then a lot of the space is really uh, dedicated to private meetings because companies come there to showcase what their new digital platforms are for the year. But then we also have a lot of uh, the streaming companies there. So we have like Hulu, NBC Universal, um, uh, uh, Pandora, social media companies. It's really just become a really big buzz and hub of the show. And um, actually, one of the things that we've done this year also is we've expanded that story to include sports technology. And so now... In, at the C-Space area located next next to it is an area that's also focused on how um, technology is influencing the sports world. So covering everything from, you know, e-gaming to um, NFL to Formula One racing to looking at how it's changing the fan experience, the athletic, how um, athletes are using technology to measure, better measure their performance mm-hmm. and um, basically helping with brand engagement. So um, it's really a kind of a dynamic, complete, di- distinctly different feel uh, part of the show, but a fast-growing and exciting part of the show. All right. I'm going to tap you both for pro tips on navigating CES. Uh, Gary, start with you. I hear you say again and again that Eureka Park is one of your favorite areas of discovery. How do you get there and, and visit it and learn and engage effectively? Um, among all those startups? Well, if you want to engage the whole show, obviously you download our, our app, which is has so much in there, and you plan ahead, and you have comfortable shoes, and drink plenty of water, and <laughs> not that much alcohol. But Eureka Park is, in a sense, an exception. It's, it's actually almost um, a lot of serendipity is involved. You have to walk mm-hmm. up and down the aisles quickly, and whatever attracts you, you just stop and start engaging. But there's, there's so many companies that are 1,300 you can't actually visit every booth. And obviously, you can't even visit then the rest of CES. So you have to be careful. For the rest of the things, you should experience some things that you that are out of your comfort zone. You should be open to the new, the new at CES because that is where innovation will occur. That's where new relationships will occur. You should use every opportunity from cab lines on down to the bus to walking around to ask questions, be friendly. Everyone there wants to get something out of the experience, which means need, meeting new people, seeing new products and services, being inspired and walking away with like a thousand different ideas for the whole year, which is what we hear from journalists, we hear from startups, we hear from people who go there. It is a four-day experience which carries with you for at least six months. 
and gives you a lot of material to go on. And it's just, you have to be aware and open to new things to really get the most of it. Uh, two elements out of that, Karen, to pull out for you and get your pro tip. One is the amount of meetings and meaningful engagements and conversations you can have in a four-day period during CES. Uh, the other is planning ahead, like Gary said, getting, getting your game plan together, downloading the app, getting a strategy in place, because there is some serendipity, but you want to be efficient as well. Absolutely. And, you know, we, we know that um, an average CES attendee will have something like 33 meetings scheduled during the um, course of the week of, of CES. But it's actually interesting because a lot of times, even before CES opens, I'll run into somebody on the floor and, you know, help them kind of find where their, their, their next location or help give them some directions. And I'll say, hey, how, you know, how, what are you here for? How, how's the event been, even though it hasn't started? And it's funny how many people have said, you know, it's amazing. I came here for a meeting that's happening tomorrow, but I accidentally bumped into this person. And I made a deal that I would have never imagined could have happened. And the show hasn't even started. It's been an awesome show. And I think that kind of ties into the serendipity part that Gary talks about. And let me jump in, Karen. If you could do one thing, it's to plan your, your days. So you try to spend a day in each facility. That way you're not moving around the city. We have, of course, plenty of transportation and buses you should look into. But to the extent you're, you want to use your time the best, there are conferences in, in different facilities. There are exhibits in different facilities. If you look at the conferences that you want to go to, and plan your meetings in that facility, you'll have a much more efficient, you'll see a lot more, you'll, you'll get a lot more done, and you'll put on just as much shoe leather walking around, get those steps in. Yeah, uh, higher efficiency, more opportunity, right? Uh, final question for you both, CES 2020 in one word. Karen? Amazing. Gary? Fabulosis. All right, fair enough. Karen Chapka, Executive Vice President of CES Gary Shapiro, president and CEO of CTA. As always, a fabulous conversation. Uh, we're on the eve of CES. Can't wait to see what's ahead. Thank, Thank you. you, Tyler. Thanks. Great. Bye. With us today is Michael Thacker. He is EVP of Technology and Innovation at Bell and a veteran of the CES Tech Talk podcast. Michael, great to have you back with us. Thanks for joining us today. Great to be back. Uh, at this time last year, we were talking about Bell's initial presence at CES and, and what you expected and this, this foray into the, the forefront of connected technology and the future of transportation and, and where innovation was leading Bell. All right, here you are one year later. Um, are you far enough removed from CES 2019 to reflect on all that it was and, and all it mel- meant to Bell? No, I think we absolutely we absolutely are. Uh, you know, our entree in 2018 was really a reintroduction of Bell to the world as a technology and mobility company, and last year was an expansion of that, where we had the opportunity to bring together an all-star lineup of technologists to talk about how an air taxi fits into a multimodal mobility system. Uh, we introduced the Nexus uh, and had a great opportunity to talk about how the ecosystem would actually work. Uh, it was uh, all that we talked about last year and more uh, in terms of both uh, the opportunity to engage with both the ground autonomy and smart city communities that were around us, uh, but also with the larger ecosystem of the public and, and the cities where these vehicles are going to be flying. What was the reaction you saw from a first-person perspective as uh, attendees came by your booth and saw clearly one of the most eye-catching displays of innovation across the entire show 
in 2019. The quadcopter, right? Also, I should say, AKA uh, the batcopter, as I heard a lot of people re- refer to it. It was, again, just so eye catching, so sharp. Um, midnight black as well. I mean, it, there was just so much to see and experience even before you got to the booth. So, so obviously we garnered a lot of attention. The uh, The booth was full from from the firing gun till the end of the show uh, with people getting a look at the Nexus and seeing how it could impact uh, their lives, how it would work uh, in the cities that they live in. Uh, we had, you know, people from all walks of life coming through uh, and, and obviously got a great reaction of people seeing what it would really take, not a cartoon, uh, you know, not something that, uh, you know, may or may not work, but something that shows the reality of what it takes to actually uh, lift five people through the air across the city. I think people appreciated the reality of it, the size of it, uh, and what it could mean for them. Michael, you've been working on this project for so many years now. Uh, did it do anything to, to, to bring the idea even closer to life for you? Uh, that you're actually engaging with potential customers, potential passengers, hearing their feedback, their questions, their excitement for what this presents. Absolutely. You know, it, it definitely took the conversation forward as we were able to engage with many different communities, potential customers, uh, and, and obviously the public that would be riding on the aircraft uh, to get feedback on what felt good, areas that we could improve, uh, a lot of questions around um, how the vehicle would work in the city. And frankly, when you come to our booth this year, you're going to see the next step in that conversation where we really talk about the city ecosystem that's going to be needed to have the entire system work and have it uh, transition seamlessly from the rest of the mobility system within a city. So you'll see our mobility operating system in action uh, with Nexus flying around uh, Nexus City. And it's going to be an exciting way to move the conversation forward yet another step to understand the infrastructure needs, whether that's the vertiports, the electric power infrastructure, the fleet management system, all the things that we're going to need to actually take these aircraft and bring them to the flying public. So before we dive into what's ahead for Bell Helicopter at CES 2020, let's talk about that year in between the last show and and, and the upcoming show, Michael, and, and what you have learned as a company. And, and let's start with infrastructure, right? It was it, It's still to some degree theoretical, but you must know exponentially more a year later after all of this public feedback and engagement. We, we absolutely do uh, in terms of what it's going to take to be able to move about the cities. We've also advanced in terms of technology for the aircraft itself. And you'll see that mm-hmm. uh, in this year's booth as well, as we really unlock the urban mission uh, with a full electric configuration. You'll remember that last year we showed a hybrid configuration, which unlocks additional range and capability for city to city type transportation. This year, you're going to see a view of what it really would look like for within the city transportation transportation and how that changes uh, the configuration uh, to make it more efficient, to make it even quieter, and to make it really work well within those constraints of infrastructure, of power, uh, and of how it can interact with the rest of the city. A bit of a more nebulous angle on the infrastructure issue. That is uh, the idea of smart cities. Um, How quickly is the public adapting to them in your view? And Uh, How quickly are they coming to life around the U.S. specifically in what you've seen? So so I I think there are really two answers to that question. In terms of 
the communities adapting to them. I think that's happening relatively rapidly in terms of the, the items that are available as more modes of transportation become available, whether it's uh, ride sharing or scooters or, or those things, people are using those as they're available and using them to make their life more convenient, more livable. Um, in terms of the how soon will we see a real implementation of a fully thought out smart city that takes a little bit longer in the sense that infrastructure projects to change mobility hubs to create new systems, whether that be on the ground or in the air, does take a bit of, of time. And that's why it's really important for us to have the conversation now about what are the requirements for a vertiport? What are the requirements for power for space and how do you turn that not just into a mobility hub but to an economic hub with shopping with living with work for people uh, within those communities and how do you make it a driver for the cities of further growth and and well-being for everybody involved and i think that piece is going to take some years to develop because the planning for those is really going on right now and that's why we need to make sure that what we're talking about here with nexus gets incorporated into those plans Mm -hmm. so we can take advantage of that when they come to be well and you are far from the only uh innovator tech company that is that is moving in this direction and pushing for what is possible uh, for smart cities Uh, more partnership growth at Bell Helicopter, Michael? Are you finding more and more private sector partners who, who, who share this vision or want to be a part of the supportive network here? No, absolutely. We have, you know, obviously uh, in 2019, we brought partners from primarily the aviation space, along with a couple of startups uh, in electric uh, technology to talk about what we needed to do from a technology standpoint to make the aircraft work within the system. This year, you're going to see us with partners who are looking at the larger system. And frankly, Consumer Electronics Show has been a great place for us to engage with technology community, whether it's the digital infrastructure structure behind what we're doing or the smart cities themselves and really be able to to engage with people about how we make it all tie together. So turning now to 2020 and the show, uh, you have a very high bar <laughs> to clear uh, based, <laughs> let, let's be honest, Michael, based on what Bell presented in 2019. You, you certainly have the advantage of being on attendees maps, right? I think even if you're not in the smart city space or the um, transportation technology space, Bell is somewhere you want to go. It's a bit of a destination booth based on last year. So how do you leverage that and, and how, if it's even possible, do you top it in 2020? Well, we appreciate that. Obviously, we garnered a lot of attention, and that was great for Bell. I think it was great for CES. I think it was great for the conversation around mobility. Uh, And we absolutely intend to move the conversation forward and go beyond even what we shared last year. So when you come to uh, the Bell booth this year, you will be able to engage in what a smart city environment would look like. You'll be able to to get within an entire ecosystem in, in Nexus City. Uh, and see both the new Nexus uh, 4EX, four ducted full electric aircraft flying about that city, as well as the autonomous pod transport, uh, moving cargo goods, things like critical medical transport. And behind all that uh, is our mobility operating system that ties it all together and makes sure that it works seamlessly 
is monitored for health and safety uh, and is actively engaged throughout the entire process. Uh, and you'll be able to go right into that uh, and, and see it for yourself and, and, and see what it's going to look like. In addition to that, uh, you'll see the, the next member of the Nexus family uh, in the Nexus 40X, alive uh, and in view, just like the uh, the six-duct Nexus was last year. Mm-hmm. Um, as a longtime tech innovator, personally, and a, a career-long engineer, Michael, how do you approach CES? I mean, you have you know, your quote-unquote day job, we'll call it, but you've got to be in place and, <laughs> and engaging for so many hours a day. But what do you do with the time you get that you're, that you're not mandated to be there or have to be um, at, at, at the booth engaging with clients and customers? Where do you go? Where do you, what do you usually seek out? Well, CES is such a smorgasbord of great ideas that there is a tremendous amount to see. I have a few particular interests of my own, in addition to scouting out who uh, is doing things that would be interesting to partner with Bell and making sure that we make those connections. Uh, you know, I, I definitely go through all of the mobility space uh, and the smart city space as we discussed, but I also look at the accessibility space. Uh, it's, it's an area of interest to me to make sure that we are looking at how do we make uh, what we do at Bell uh, accessible to as many people as possible, no matter what their abilities are. Uh, and so I look at what's going on there. I have some personal reasons for doing that as well. Uh, I also have a real interest in music. And so I usually go to uh, some of the, the areas with, uh, with audio activity and catch up on what's the latest there and what I can look forward to bringing into my own home. So one area in which you have to top the metric you said in 2019 is in celebrity appearances at the booth. Uh, um, <laughs> Kanye West was was at the booth and uh, apparently spent a fair amount of time there. Um, that's got to be one of the more surreal moments when you're dealing with so many B2B customers and, and clients and conversations. And then you have a, a music mogul stop by and say, hey, what's this? It looks cool. You know, that was uh, an amazing uh, moment. And, and like I say, not just uh, a music mogul, but, but somebody who really influences culture and people's thoughts and people's uh, uh, views of what is uh, cool and real. And so to have him spend as much time uh, as he did was uh, amazing. It was a great, uh, a great opportunity for the team and a great opportunity for Bell. So we really appreciate that. And and you tell me, I'm not sure how to top that, but uh, if there's a way to do it, we're going to make it happen. <laughs> well, that's, you know, uh, speaking candidly, Michael, that's part of the serendipity at CES. It's not just the, the business conversations and the remarkable deals that get done sometimes between uh, vast, vastly disparate partners, but you never know whom you're going to see. Um, and, and that is a blast. Yeah. But, but having, having the back copter in place is a pretty good draw from, from word of mouth. Um, final question for you, Michael, wrap it up on, on the business side of it. What is, uh, Bell helicopter strategy, uh, in and around the tech sector and, and, you know, to some degree CES, I mean, we, we so often say every company is or needs to be a technology company in today's marketplace. Well, Bell always has been a tech company, but now it's really becoming a connected technology company as well. So what do the years ahead mean to you? So, so for us, it really is about 
making those connections. You know, we know the parts that we do well. We're growing some areas that we need to improve and position ourselves for the decades to come, but we also can't do it alone. And CES is the perfect place for us to engage with technology and business partners who can bring the entire ecosystem together. I think you'll see the next step in that at our booth in 2020, uh, but obviously that's going to go uh, on into the future. So, you know, as we need to engage in things that are built on a cloud infrastructure, we're not going to be a cloud company, but we certainly need to engage with them to be able to layer on top of that the capabilities we need for the systems we need to put in place. We're going to be engaging with communities as they think about how does that smart city look in the future? And it's not going to be a one size fits all, right? There's going to be different implementations for different sizes and locations of communities and geographies and, and demographics. And so we want to be there with them to be their partner in making those things become reality. Michael Thacker is EVP of Technology and Innovation at Bell. Do yourself a favor, get to North Hall and check out the Bell Helicopter Exhibit. It is eye-catching. It is memorable. Um, And come on, how great will that be on social media, getting those pictures? Um, And if you need to find it specifically, just go to the CES app. Download it or check it out on your smartphone. It will show you exactly where you need to go. Michael, once again, another great conversation. Uh, Looking forward to seeing you tomorrow at CES 2020. I look forward to seeing you as well. All right, coming up next time on CES Tech Talk, a series of conversations with a different group of insiders at CES 2020, the media, the international outlets and journalists who are covering CES, not just in 2020, but in years past as well, and most likely for many years to come. Their takes on where the trends are heading at CES 2020, the hottest products and technologies that they've seen, and also their overall view about the driving trends, AI, 5G, blockchain, just to name a few. That's all coming up in the next several editions of CES Tech Talk. In the meantime, that does it for this episode. As always, subscribe to this podcast so you can check out all our back episodes of CES Tech Talk and also get updates about what's to come in future editions. And do yourself a favor, download the CES 2020 app. You can plan your own agenda. You can find the speakers and the panel and conference sessions you really want to see. Even locate all the exhibitors whose newest innovations you want to see and touch and try while you're at CES 2020. And if you need more information, just go to the website, ces.tech. A reminder, the show itself, January 7th through the 10th in Las Vegas. And as for the podcast, none of this would be even remotely possible without our true stars, our executive producer, Tina Anthony, and our senior studio engineer, John Lindsay. You all are the best in the business. I'm Tyler Suters. Let's talk tech again soon.